Take your Bibles and turn to Second Kings, chapter four, uh, chapter eighteen. Second Kings, chapter eighteen. Begin reading in verse 1 when we get there. 2 Kings 18, 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Eli, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. We saw there the two kings that... uh, uh, there was the king of Israel, the, the king of, of Judah was now Hezekiah. You guys uh, uh, know this, the history a little bit, but just as a refresher, the kingdom of Israel was split in two after Solomon. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, would not listen uh, to the advice of the older men. The people of Israel came to him and asked them to lighten their load. Um, and he uh, he would not. He would not. Uh, he wanted to tax them more and put more on them. And uh, the ten tribes, uh, they, they decided to split from Rehoboam, and eventually Jeroboam took over that leadership. The only two tribes left were Judah and Benjamin, and they followed Rehoboam, and they were the, that was the southern kingdom. And uh, all the kings of, of, of Judah were uh, in David's bloodline. So this is Hezekiah, he's going to be coming the king of, of Judah, but he is uh, quite a ways down the bloodline, but he is in David's bloodline. And if you study all those kings, the kings of Judah, they, there was some good ones and there was bad ones. And really what made the difference, what made them a good one, was if they were willing to follow God's ways. If they were willing to follow the commandments of God, and really if they had a fear of God a respect, an honor of God, and wanted to uh, do His will. Hezekiah, he was one of these good kings. It was under Hezekiah that uh, revival was brought to, to Judah. Look at verse 4. And he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those those days the children of Israel did burn incense unto it and called it Nashtan, and he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord God commanded Moses, And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king king of Assyria and served him not. So we have this king, Hezekiah, who as soon as he uh, takes uh, his reign, he begins to uh, destroy all the false idols and all the, the, the gods, small g 
that Judah had been following. I thought that was interesting that even something that God used Moses, that, that brazen serpent, that now they had turned something that God had used at one time and they began to worship that. We know that we're not to worship any idols or anything made of man's hands, whether it be stone or gold or brass. God's not in that stuff. He's not in that. He's in us, right? He's the one that created all these things. The Bible says that God was with him. And when God's with you, that's, that's all that matters. Isn't that, isn't that the truth? I mean, when God is with you, that's what we ask. We ask, we beg. As a, as a church, we beg that God would be with us. You know, the Bible talks about in, in Joshua chapter 1 that, uh, that if we would be strong and of good courage and, and, and obey the laws and the commandments of God and meditate them out on day and night, the Bible says, then shall you prosper and have good success. We saw that in the life of Joseph where he, he uh, kept uh, his claim to his one true God even in a foreign land and God prospered. This Hezekiah, God's going to prosper them. They're going to bring revival. And that revival ultimately brings them victories. If we were to continue reading down this passage in verse 8, that, that uh, he, you know, he turns away from the king of Assyria and then he is able in war to defeat the Philistines. We talk about revival, we talk about being made alive, we talk about the Spirit of God in you, just like Jesus told the woman at the well that if, if the, that water of life was bubbling up in her, my goodness, that's true life, isn't it? True life, living. You know what's going to happen? We're going to have some victories. Revival will bring victories in our life. All of us are going to be, we face temptations, we face issues and problems just as being human, part of the curse, part of the fall of man. And there are going to be battles that we have to face, but one good revival, one good uh, uh, cleansing will be, give us victory. That's what he did. That's what, that's what Hezekiah did. The first thing he did when he became king is he started to purge. He started to cleanse. You know that. We, when we do communion in here, when we do the Lord's Supper, what do we have a time of? We have a time of repentance before we can have communion with God, right? Before you can have that close fellowship with God, there has to be what? There has to be repentance. There's repentance before revival. The Old Testament showed us the same thing. There was a purging of the house before the Passover. There's a cleansing before communion, a repentance before revival. And sometimes in our lives, we've got to go through our lives and say, hey, let's get some of this stuff out. Hey, if there's anything that we're putting before God, if there's anything that we're putting before God, taking the place of God, cleanse it out. Get it out. It'll bring revival. You want to get the Lord on your side? Cleave to Him and Him only. The Bible says in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice, God speaking to Solomon. By the way, that's Hezekiah's great, 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 great grandfather. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among the people, he says, hey, if there's a downturn in the economy, if everything starts going bad in this land, hey, if I turn my back on this land because it turned its back on me, he says, here's how you fix it. Here's how you get help. Verse 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Now I know God's talking to 
the nation of Israel. That's his people in the Old Testament, which are called by his name. But, but I, I submit to you that in the New Testament, we are called by his name as well. Don't we call ourselves Christians? Don't we? We're called by the name of God. Don't you say that if we're, if we're a Christian, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, then we are his people. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, repentance, cleansing, right? Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. I know uh, it'd probably be on the hearts of all of us to pray for our country, that God would forgive our sins and heal our land. But what about our own personal lives and our own, our own uh, homes? You know what the you know what the the uh, the template here for revival is? It's humbling. We know that if we're the way up is down, right? The way to Christ is to get low, to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And the Bible says, and He will lift you up. The Bible says, God resisteth the proud. You know what stops us from revival in our lives so many times? You know what, you know what stops some folks from salvation? It'll stop us. We just, we just can't surrender. That's what salvation is, is, is surrendering, is surrendering. When you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you're surrendering in repentance toward Him. That takes humility. The first step, the first step to this revival is humiliation. Humble ourselves. Pray. Seek God. Seek God. Turn, turn from our wicked ways. That's that, turning from it. Repentance, hey, that's what salvation is. It's turning from trusting in anything else. It's from turning from trusting in any of the other gods or the things of this world. It's turning from religion or good works or anything that we could think of and trusting in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Him alone. He gets these victories. Revival, it brings victories. But within 10 years of this, of this revival, within 10 years of Hezekiah getting victories, he has an army besiege him. He has enemies come up against him. The Bible says in 2 Kings 18 and verse 29. Kind of the story here is the king of, of, of Assyria, Sennacherib, he invades Judah. He, 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 he besieges Jerusalem. For the sake of time, we won't read through all these. But uh, as he besieges Jerusalem, he sends his warriors, uh, 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 his, his generals, to begin to, in the Jewish language, so that the people on the walls, so the people of the city could hear, and they begin to defy God Almighty. They begin to uh, uh, put all this propaganda out that they should surrender and do all these things that they, uh, uh, to give up the fight and, and to not listen to Hezekiah. We'll pick up the story in verse 29. Thus saith the king, let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord. This is what uh, this is Rab Shaka, the the general there of the Syrian army, is saying in the Jewish language to the people. 
of Jerusalem. This is after this is after they've been besieged. I mean, we've studied uh, cities in the Bible that have been besieged before, and I mean, he's not telling them, you know, they're going to be eating their own dung here. I mean, this isn't just this stuff that he's telling them. Uh, this is getting bad. When you when you're in a city that's besieged, the the, the food supply stop. I mean, it gets it gets off. And this is the shape that they're in. He says in verse. 30, neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us, and the city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Syria. Hearken not to Hezekiah. For thus saith the king of Assyria, make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then ye shall eat every man of his own vineyard, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one of the waters of his sister. These, all these folks have been locked into this city, into this embattlement, and camped in there. He's saying, hey, hey, you surrender yourself to me. Hey, you, you give yourself to the, the king of Assyria to be his servants. You guys can go and eat at your, at your homes out in the countryside. And he says, you can be our servants. It's going to be okay if you'll just surrender to me. Don't trust in what Hezekiah is saying. Don't trust in what God's saying. He says in verse 32, until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, uh, uh, olive and of honey, and that ye may live and not die and hearken unto, uh, and hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuaded you saying, the Lord will deliver us. He comes in there and he begins to try and get in their head. He's saying, hey, you, you guys surrender to me. You become my servants and, and you can come out and eat all that you want to eat, drink all that you want to drink, and then I'm going to take you to a land that's just like your land. And you can plant fields and you can live like that. You know what this is? This is, this is a bunch of lies. And don't you, don't you, what, the point that I'm trying to make is in our Christian life, there'll be times that we, be, we are besieged by an enemy. You may have made your decision up to follow God. You may have made your decision up to seek the one true God. You may even have had victories in your life. You may have even experienced revival at points in time in your life. But that does not mean that you're you're not susceptible to an attack of the enemy. You and I all know that we have an enemy. The Bible says he says a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Talking about Satan, the devil. And you know what he does? You know where he attacks us? We all understand this. Where does he attack us? He attacks us in our mind in these messages. Hey, God's not going to deliver you. Just surrender. Just give up. Just, just come with me. Just come on my side. And I'll make sure that I prosper you. You know, the Lord's going to leave you hanging. He's not going to lift you up. You know, we get all these besieges by temptation or by depression or by oppression. All these sorts of things where we're uh, uh, camped or uh, uh, attacked in our mind, they begin to uh, uh, compare God, of the God of Israel, with all the other gods. Verse 35, who are they among all the gods of the countries, small g, that have delivered their country out of my hand? The Lord should deliver, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. He starts saying, hey, what about all the gods of the other countries that I've defeated? The Assyrians have gone in and destroyed these other countries. Your God, the God of Israel, He's no different than that. He's not going to deliver you. If those gods couldn't deliver those people, then how is your God going to deliver you? I don't, do any of you guys ever feel this in your mind, this doubt? 
this, this uh, you're done. God's not going to deliver you. You're crazy for your faith. What are you thinking about? I mean, do you guys get this ever from uh, some depression that sets in or some oppression or some uh, lack of faith, these darts that come shooting in your head? This is a joke. This is crazy. This faith, this... Where does that come from? Where do those thoughts come from? Where does those... that, uh, that, uh, Have you ever felt like you've been besieged in your mind that may have lasted for weeks or months even? This is real. This happens. This happens to all of us. It happens to me. I've got to assume that it happens to you. That's how our enemy works. He tries to discourage us. He tries to take our joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. He tries to take our eyes off God and our faith off God. Hezekiah, he asks the prophet what to do. He sends and asks the prophet at that time, and in, in Judah was Isaiah. And he sends and asks the prophet, hey, what's going to happen here? What's going to go down? <laughs> what are we to do? Here's what the prophet sends back to Hezekiah. 2 Kings 9, 6. Second Kings... Nine, sorry, 19.6, guys. 2 Kings 19.6. We're just going to kind of keep going down through these chapters. So, the story of Hezekiah. 2 Kings 19.6, And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed. Me. He said, don't be afraid of those, uh, those fiery darts that come into our mind. Don't be afraid of the lies that the enemy's throwing at you. Don't listen to those words. Stand in faith. Don't stagger at the promises of God. Stand in them. Hope against hope. I mean, if you're besieged right now in your mind, besieged in your life, hope in God. He will see you through. He will deliver you. So Hezekiah, he... he he gets this word, he gets this word to believe, to trust in God, to not be, not be afraid. And then Sennacherib just gives more to him. He, he continues to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to destroy you. I'm going to come in there and utterly destroy you. He says all these things. And so Hezekiah, you know what he does? He prays. Verse 14 of chapter 19. We're going to read this prayer of Hezekiah. After he receives this letter of bad news, after Hezekiah gets this news and says, Hey, we're going to destroy you and your whole city. We've been besieging you, and now we're going to take you out. It's over. Sometimes we just read through, the, read through these passages. Put yourself in, in, this, in this guy's place. I mean, I don't know. Put yourself in present day terms. What if you were about to lose everything you had? What if you were about to lose your life? I don't know. I mean, this is dire circumstances. He gets this letter and says, hey, it's over for you. But he gets another word from the prophet that says, hey, don't fear what these people are saying. God will deliver you. So Hezekiah, he takes this letter, this letter of bad news, 
and lays it out before God in verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims, Thou art the God, even Thou alone, for all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down Thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, Thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has said unto him and repro- to reproach the living God. He's saying, God, can you hear what we're going through? Can you see what we're going through? Open your eyes and look at my circumstances, God. Hear what's being said. Have you ever felt like God doesn't hear or God can't see where you're at? He does. Verse 17, of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands. He said, hey, they've beat everyone else they've been fighting against lately and have cast their gods, small g, into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of man's hand, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Verse 19, now therefore, O Lord God, I beseech thee. I beg you, God. That's what Hezekiah is saying. God, I beg you. I don't You know, sometimes you may be besieged in your mind. You might be besieged in your heart just so that you can Get serious with God. It would be good for us. It would be good for us to be reproached. It would be good for us to go through some heartache and sorrow. If it was, if it got us cleaving to God, holding on with all that we have. What if we went through this life and didn't have troubles and didn't have trials and didn't have problems, but yet we we weren't close with God. We didn't fellowship with Him. What would life be worth? I'm not saying that it, had, it takes trouble and it takes heartache to draw close to God, but I'm saying it's worth it if it does. Here Hezekiah is pouring his heart out to God and God was his last line of defense. He was his only line of defense. He was the only hope for Judah. And Hezekiah knew it and he laid it out before God and said, God, I'm begging you. I'm beseeching you. This wasn't the first time Hezekiah prayed. I guarantee you that. He's been going through this trouble for a little while. This was one time that he got real serious with God. He said, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. He says, for your glory, God. For your glory, help me. For your glory. You know what? When God delivers us, and by the way, if we cleave to him and we trust him, he will deliver us. Give the glory to God. Once you come through on the other side, once He saves you, once He's helped you, give the glory to God. I like this verse. Verse 20. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have this underlined in my Bible. I have heard. We're talking about the, the God that sits, like he said, between the cherubim. We're not talking about a king that's like any other king. We're talking about the king of kings and lord of lords heard Hezekiah's prayer. We're talking about the creator of the universe, the one that spoke the world into existence. He said, Hezekiah, I heard your prayer. I heard your prayer. Verse 22. 
Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? This is God talking now. And against whom hast thou exalted thy voice and lifted up thine eyes on high, even against the Holy One of Israel? You know what Sennacherib had done? He had lifted himself up against God. And now God, at this point, had taken it personal. He said, who, who have you lifted yourself up against? Who have you set yourself as, as an enemy of? The Holy One of Israel. He says in verse 25, Hast thou not heard long ago how, how I have done it? You know what God's saying to Sennacherib? Haven't you heard who I am? Haven't you heard what I did? Didn't you see what I did so many years ago to the Pharaoh in Egypt? Didn't you hear about how I brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea? Haven't you heard about the conquest of Ai and Jericho? Haven't you heard about me? Are you so foolish that you raise yourself up against the one true God? It says in verse 29, God, again, because thy rage against me. Boy, I'll tell you what. I see in this, in this society people raging against God. That is, there's no fear of God there. He says, because of the rage against me and thy tumult has come up into my ears. He said, hey, listen, I've, I, you know God is long-suffering and He's merciful. He is, He is, He's so long-suffering and merciful. But He says, finally I've heard about it. God says, I've had enough, Sennacherib. You know, there's one day, we could reread Revelation, the Bible says that, that Satan, Lucifer, is going to be bound up and cast into the lake of fire. One day our enemy is going to be done away with, the one that has deceived the nations, the one that has caused death and caused all these issues and tempted man to fall and fail and all these sort of things. He says, uh, verse 34, chapter 19, for God speaking, I will defend this city. Isn't that good news when God says, I'm going, to fe- I'm going to defend Jerusalem? He says, you know what? You've got it besieged, but I'm going to defend these people. I'm going to defend this city to save it for my own sake. God said, I'm going to do it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Verse 35. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. That's a hundred and eighty-five thousand soldiers in one night and one age. Hundred and eighty-five thousand. You know what that is? That's the limits. That's the limits. You know how quick your deliverance can come? Like that. Just like Joseph. He was in the, he was in the dungeon and, and the next day he's in the palace. Our deliverance can come just like that. I don't know where you're at, but it just takes God saying, alright, enough's enough. I'm going to take care of this. That's all it takes. That's all it takes is God Almighty standing up and saying, alright, your deliverance has come. You know what this came from? It came from Hezekiah's prayer. Hezekiah's prayer, uh, his, his prayer life, you know, really his life is not much different than ours. He prayed when he was besieged. 
Hezekiah got some more bad news. His life is kind of summed up in just a couple chapters here in Hezekiah, but Hezekiah got more bad news at the end of his life. Look at verse, chapter 20, verse 1. And in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore, and it came to pass. Before Isaiah was gone out of the middle of the court, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Turn again to Hezekiah, the captain of the people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer, and have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. And on the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years. So God says, hey, I've heard you. I'm going to add fifteen years unto your life. Because he prayed. Now we have this, this life of Hezekiah just kind of summed up in these couple chapters. But if you were to look at some of the, the major decisions and the major uh, uh, points in, in Hezekiah's life, I would say that they're not much different than ours. And the first one was Hezekiah's decision of the direction that he was going to go. He says, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm deciding to follow God and to cleave to God. And at 25 years old, Hezekiah said, I will follow God. I don't know where you're at in here this morning, but if you've never made that decision to say, hey, I'm surrendering my life to God, maybe in salvation, or maybe in just your sanctification of, of His purpose and His will and His service. Say, hey, I'm making this decision that I am, I will follow God. Like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was a decision point in Hezekiah's life. Don't you think that that changed the trajectory of all of the other decisions that Hezekiah made? He went to cleansing and he went to cleaning up and, and he drew close to God. And then Hezekiah was attacked. And I believe that all of us, as I've already mentioned, we're going to experience some attacks. I don't know if someone didn't tell you... Uh, uh, when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you enlisted in the Lord's army. I heard uh, Owen was praying the other day, and I overheard him. He was, uh, he said, "Lord, help help people uh, be on, uh, become Christians. Help them to be on our side and not on the devil's side." That's what he said when he was praying. But you know, that's not that far off. That's not that far off. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'll tell you that you have an enemy. An enemy of the devil. And he is not happy with you. He will try to tempt you. He will try to make you fall. He will try to cause you to do yourself in. He really will. He'll try to hurt you. He will at times besiege you and attack you in your mind. You guys know these verses. Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, about the uh, putting on the whole armor of God. What did Sennacherib did? He, do? He went in there and he, 
He played with their mind. It was all propaganda, right? He was just playing with their mind, trying to get them to surrender to his will. Wasn't he? That's what the devil would do. He'll tell us lies. Partial truths. Right? Yeah, he would have given them food if they would have surrendered. But then they'd have been servants to the Assyrians for the rest of their lives. Partial truths. That's what the devil does. He'll come in there. He'll twist the truth just a little bit just to get you to surrender. Just to get you to quit. Just to get you to fall. It's awful. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. It has nothing to do with your physical strength. Being strong in the Lord is being strong in faith and trusting God, depending on God. And in the power of His might. Whose might? God's might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says that like three or four times in this passage. Being able to stand. You know why he says that? You know why Paul says that to the church at Ephesus? It's because the devil's going to try and make you fall. He's going to attack us and try and take us out. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You say, hey, I'm having problems with my spouse. I'm having problems with my coworker. I'm having problems with all these sort of things. Yeah, but let's look at this as not, a, they're the enemy. They're not the problem. What's God trying to do here? How is, how is Satan trying to use that against you to cause you to mess up and make the wrong decision or fall? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's not who we're fighting against. You know, every time we get angry at someone else, wouldn't it be a smart idea to stop and say, they're not my enemy. They're not my enemy. If I can handle this right and in the power of God and depend on Him, I can overcome this. and don't have to go at it head to head with them. He says that we're being attacked by principalities and powers, rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's spiritual warfare going on. Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be stand in the evil day, having withstand, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with what? With truth. You know what truth will do? You know what truth will do? It'll expose those lies. When the propaganda, when the lies are coming into your head, you say, no, that's not truth. I'm standing on truth. He says, having your loins girt about with truth and the breastplate of righteousness, Christ's righteousness imputed to our account. Just like Stephanie sang that song, the accuser comes and says, hey, you're not worthy, you're not, you've messed up, you've failed, you've done all these things. Yeah, 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 that's right. But I've I've accepted the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that protects our heart, protects those vital organs there. He says, having your feet shod with the preparation of peace, preaching the gospel, and above all, the shield of faith. You know what faith will do? It'll push out all fear. Faith will push out fear. Fear is when we, when we panic. When we panic, that's when we make mistakes, isn't it? They get us to, the, the, the enemy gets us to, 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 to freak out. But faith causes us to be able to stop those fiery darts of the wicked that come at us. They won't stick. They might still come at us, but they won't stick. And the helmet of salvation, think saved. <laughs> I'm born again. I'm a child of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. You know what Hezekiah did? He prayed. When he was besieged, you know what he did? He prayed. When he found out that he was sick, he got a bad diagnosis, you know what he did? He prayed. You know, that's part of 
the armor of God is prayer. I call it calling in air support. When everything else is, when we've tried everything else and everything else is done, just call in air support. That God is between the cherubim there. He can hear our prayers and He can deliver. He can make a difference. We should be a people of prayer. Whether it's we're besieged, whether it is a sickness, whether we've just gotten really bad news, God, cha- God changed his mind, it seemed like to me there, didn't it? He sent Isaiah, Isaiah went and said, hey, Hezekiah, you're going to die, right? Hezekiah started praying, then what did the Lord do? I mean, God knew it, knew he was going to do that, but he still changed his mind. He said, you're going to get 15 more years, that's quite a bit. It's quite a bit added on to your life, wouldn't you say? What, what, what if we were a people that were just Christians that were depending on God and quick to pray? I think this week, if we were sensitive to the Holy Spirit, if we were sensitive to the Lord and what He's doing, you're going to come across some people that are besieged in their head, in their mind, in their heart. They're going through trouble. They feel like there's no hope. Would you pray with them? Right wherever you're at, you say, it work? Yeah, if you can. Just pray with them, right? What if you get that bad news, the first thing that comes to you and, and fear strikes? Hezekiah prayed, made a difference for him, didn't it? I don't know where you're at, we're closing here. I don't know where you're at, what you got maybe from this, this story of Hezekiah's life, but it never would hurt for us to humble ourselves. Trust God. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not been saved, humble yourself and accept the free gift of salvation. It is the greatest, it's the greatest gift that we could ever experience, ever have. It's our sins forgiven. To know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Maybe you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're here this morning and and you need revival, and you need to just say, I, I, I decide to follow Jesus. I decide to follow Him no matter what anybody else is doing. I'm clinging to Him. I'm going to hold on to God. Maybe God will use you this week to pray with someone who's hurting, pray with someone that needs help. Hopefully this message will come to your mind, and, and you'll have the boldness to say, let's pray about it. Look, look, if someone tells you that they have cancer, they just found out that they have cancer, there's very little that I can do about that. <laughs> very little that you can do. But you can pray with them. And God can make a difference. Can He? God can make a difference. We're going to pray. Go ahead and bow your heads. God, we come before you, and God, we know that you are God, that you have all power in heaven and earth. God, that you can do anything. We're trusting you. Lord, there's, there's folks here this morning that need your touch, that need your power, that need uh, you to, to deliver them, whether it's from, from sin, from being lost, and, 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 or, Lord, from depression, from oppression, Lord, from uh, temptation, God things that we face, I pray that you would help us. I pray that we would be a people of prayer, that we would turn to you and depend on you and trust in you. God, I pray that you help us. God, draw us close to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this, for this day. Thank you for each person that's, uh, 
come to come to church today, God. I pray that you draw us close to you as the rest of the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.